Good morning, good morning, good morning. Welcome to What Would Kay Say? I am your host, Kay Edwards. Oh my gosh, I'm getting tongue-tied already. I just started. I hope it's not going to be one of those type of shows. (laughs) Anyway, how is everyone doing? I hope blessed and highly favored, as always, right? So now, this week... I want to continue talking about relationships. Last week, we went into relationships and we actually took a look at the first relationship that God had put together, right? In the book of Genesis. And that was Adam and Eve, how he created Adam and how he created Eve. And we talked about Adam and Eve in the garden and we talked about the serpent. And instead of looking at it as the dynamic of the first family, like we always look at that structure because that is what they were. We took a different approach to it last week and we looked at it as a co-worker environment because as I said last week, it wasn't just a family structure that God was showing us. He was actually showing us how men and women relate to one another, whether they're married or not. So that's the That's the viewpoint that we took from last week. And now God has me on this thing with relationships. So we're going to go through this whole series talking about relationships and the various ones that come up in the Bible and how we can relate them to our everyday lives now. And I guess he's, he's showing me relationships in the Bible so that people could have a better understanding of what relationships should be here right now, where we stand when it comes to relations with one another. So today we're going to stay on the subject of relationships, but we're going to attempt to understand the relationship of the family. Now I say attempt to understand because if we're truly honest with ourselves, right? Not what we say to others, but if we know within our heart of hearts, when you speak about your family, of course, when you speak about your family to other people, you know, you don't tell them all the nitty gritty stuff that goes on. Yeah. you may skim across the top. Oh yeah. My family is this, that, and the other. But when you really think about your family and the dynamics that go on within it, can we say that we really understand how the family works? Right? So I want to talk to the real people today that know the dynamics that are going on within their family. And they don't mind trying to break it down to understand what's going on. Because I'm going to show you in the Bible that it's not just you going through the family dynamics where everything seems to be crazy and helter-skelter. Trust and believe. it. And once again, we are staying in that book of Genesis, which is the first book of the Bible, because that's where everything stems from. Everything that we have going on today, trust and believe. You read Genesis, you got the whole world right there. You don't even have to read any other chapters in the Bible. You read Genesis, you'll see the world. And that's it, plain and simple. Everything else is just a breakdown of other divisions, but everything that really, in my opinion, everything that really happened until you get to the New Testament and Jesus comes, because of course when he comes, it's like all bets are off. He just cleans up everything. And as in Genesis, we should have known there was going to be sibling rivalry, right? Because look, Cain and Abel, Jacob and Esau, Joseph and his brothers, siblings haven't been getting along since the beginning of time. That's why when people make the, when they make the, um, the statement, there's nothing new under the sun. 
there is nothing new under the sun, right? So there are several instances where the family just doesn't seem to do what it should be doing, right? Or should I say instances where people in the family just don't want to do what's best for everyone involved, right? They just don't want to do it. So today's lesson is titled, All in the Family, Am I My Brother's Keeper? We're going to begin our journey of the family with the first family of the Bible, Adam, Eve, Cain, and Abel. And now I'm going to do a synopsis of what their story is about. And you can find this story in Genesis 4, verses 1 to 10. Now, this is the story of how two brothers born of the same mother and father could have total opposite, be total opposites when it comes to their characters, right? Anyone who has sibling knows that although you were raised by the same parents, there are some of you in your family that act nothing alike. And of course you're saying, well, Kay, how could they act alike if everyone has their own personalities? Yes, that is true. But I'm speaking about how you could have siblings that heard the same instructions from your parents and it meant something totally different to each one of your brothers and sisters and also to you. So this is what we have here with Cain and Abel. Living in the same household, they were both taught what the word of the Lord was and what the Lord expected of them, right? But each had their own way of serving the Lord and the Lord had his way of dealing with each of them. Cain knew what was expected, but he refused to follow the command. Abel, on the other hand, was eager to please the Lord and did exactly what was expected of him. You know what? I wasn't going to read it, but let's read it because me giving a short summary of the story is not going to do it justice. So I'm going to start Genesis 4 verses 1 through 10. Now, Adam knew Eve his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of a fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering. And he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why is your, why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. Now Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? So here we have it. And from just those 10 verses, we can get so much when it comes to siblings, right? 
First, we have Cain and Abel both knew what was expected of them to give to the Lord, right? And Cain, of course, wanted to give what he wanted to give. And Abel, of course, followed the directions and gave what he was supposed to give. So now here it is. Cain gets upset because God rejected his offer, but he knew that when he gave it to the Lord, that he wasn't going to accept it because that's not what God asked of him, right? So instead of him saying, okay, God, let me give you what you asked me the next time around. No, he's going to carry this grudge, jealousy and envy, right? And he's going to go talk to his brother. Now we don't know the conversation that took place between them because the Bible doesn't tell us what was said, but we could imagine Cain was probably like, Hmm, who are you thinking you're going to go and show off and give God the, the, the best gift. And now he going to look at my gift and say that it's not good enough. Cause you always got to be the good one and always try to, be... which that had nothing to do with anything. They could have both been acceptable. They could have both given acceptable gifts, but because Cain did not want to follow directions, he know he couldn't take it out on God. So who does he take it out on? He takes it out on his brother, right? And he kills him, right? So here we have, not that your siblings or your brother or sister will literally kill you, but you can have the same dynamics going on in a family. You're doing what's right, what your parents say. You're following and obeying the rules. And you have another sibling that's like, I don't care what they say. I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to do what I want to do. So they stay in trouble. And it's not even like you're telling on them. You're not saying anything to get them in trouble. They're getting themselves in trouble. But they're looking at you because, oh, because you got to be the good one that I always got to shine as being the bad one. They're not looking at it from the perspective of ownership of what they do. And that's what we talked about last week when we talked about the relationship between man and woman. And then we did it in the scenario of coworker. And I said, life lesson, I think it was number three or four, own your mistakes, own what you do. Cain could have just owned up to what he did and everything would have been squashed, but he couldn't own up to it. He didn't want to own up to it. And because of that, he killed his brother. And because of that, then he was banished from the family and the rest of the story you can read in Genesis. But I just go to, to show you and to say, just like with Cain and Abel, we have that same dynamic going on in families today. You have brothers and sisters that may look at the other, the other siblings and dislike them because of the way they carry themselves. But don't look at your brother or sister in disgust or dislike them because you don't like the way they're living their life. If they're living their life the right way, you can live your life the right way, right? But like God warned him, sin is waiting there to get you, but you can rule over it. And that's the same instance when it comes to siblings. Sin is sitting there. And if you allow it to come in to cause division, it's going to do that if you don't rule over it. So now we're going to go to another family dynamic, which is just as exciting. And that's Jacob and Esau. So now if you're following me in Genesis, let's scroll to turn to get to <laughs> Genesis 25. And we're going to go from verses 20 to 26, right? Now, Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah as wife. 
the daughter of Bethel of the Syrian of Padam Aram, the sister of Laban, the Syrian. Now Isaac pleaded with the Lord for his wife because she was barren and the Lord granted his plea and Rebekah, his wife conceived. But the children struggled together within her. And she said, if all is well, why am I like this? So she inquired, so she went to inquire of the Lord and the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb. Two peoples shall be separated from your body. One people shall be stronger than the other and the older shall serve the younger. So when her days were filled for her to give birth, indeed, they, there were twins in her womb and the first came out red. He was like a hairy garment. He was like a hairy garment all over. So they called him Esau. Afterward, his brother came out and his hand took hold of Esau's heel. So his name was called Jacob. So the boys grew and Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field. But Jacob was a mild man dwelling in tents. And Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. So here we have, right? Twin boys born to Isaac and Rebekah. And Rebekah knew from the start that she was going to have issues with her children because God had already told her, you got two nations in your belly and they're going to be warring and one's going to rule over the other, right? God had already warned her. So now I got a question. As usual, how many of you within the, sound, within the sound of my voice are parents to more than one child? So I have a question. I know that you say that you love all your children the same, and you might want to believe that statement is true, but there's always that possibility that it's not true. Here we have two parents of twin boys, right? One named Esau. He was the oldest, the other named Jacob. He came out holding his brother's heel. The father, Isaac, loved Esau. And the mother, Rebecca, loved Jacob. She loved him so much that she helped him devise a scheme against his brother to steal his, bro his brother's birthright, okay? Because the firstborn always received the blessing from the father. Whenever the father was about to die, he always called for the firstborn son to give him the blessing, you know, to pass down the family blessings. But the mother loved Jake, Jacob so much that she devised a scheme so that he can trick his father and pretend to be his brother so that he could get the birthright instead of Esau. So now in that story, we have a whole bunch of stuff going on within the family, right? We have parents divided. We have children divided. We've got trickery, lying, deception, all to acquire something that rightfully belonged to someone else, right? But if you want to read the story in its entirety, you can read Genesis chapters 24 to 27, right? So Right there, we had a whole bunch of stuff going on. And just like in families today, we got a whole bunch of stuff going on. You've got kids against kids. You've got parents scheming with some kids in order to get something more from the other kids. 
All that's going on right now. Does that sound familiar in anybody's family that I'm talking to right now today? If it does, don't feel bad. Don't feel bad at all. They had it going on back in Genesis. Trust and believe. They were scheming and conniving and parents was doing all types of stuff. So if that's happening today, just know, you know what? All this time I used to walk around ashamed because why my family act like that? They can't help it. They can't help it. It was, it was already, it happened from before. Remember nothing new under the sun. So now we're going to stay with Jacob because he's a very interesting character, right? So now Jacob took a wife, Rachel, and now Rachel was the love of Jacob's life. You recall, well, you, well, if you read Genesis 37, you could recall the story was that Jacob worked seven years to win Rachel's hand in marriage only to be tricked by her father-in-law and given the, by his, by his father-in-law and be given the older sister Leah instead, right? Trickery. It started from his mother tricking, helping him trick the father into taking the, his brother's birthright. And here it is. We have karma. Jacob gets tricked, right? So here it is. Leah marries Jacob. And so now Jacob wanting to marry Rachel still worked another seven years to get Rachel's hand in marriage, right? So he finally gets to marry Rachel and Rachel gives Jacob, Joseph and Benjamin. Now Jacob loved his firstborn so much that he made him a coat of many colors to wear, right? First we have now here it is. He had other brothers from Leah. Cause remember Leah was the first wife. So Leah was always having kids. And then when he got Rachel seven years later, Rachel gives him kids. So now Joseph has brothers other than Benjamin, right? But his brothers disliked him because Jacob loved him so much. And then he has this coat of many colors, you know, so all he got all this going on. And then Joseph has the nerve to have a dream, which is a vision that God gave him that he was going to rule over his brothers. And what do you think he does? He goes and tells them. So not only is he the younger of all the other siblings from Leah of all his other brothers, he's younger, but now he's going to go talk about, he's going to rule over them. You know, that didn't go down well, right? So because they didn't like what Joseph told them, they threw him in a pit and sold him as a slave, right? And he did, in fact, end up ruling over his brothers, but it was all for their good. And once again, we have that jealous, that envy playing a key role in sibling rivalry, right? Now, if you remember, Joseph was also the star of another one of our lessons, which was called The Weight, The Change, and What It Means. Now, if you missed that show, you can find it on Spotify, on iTunes, and on my radio page at Radio Free Brooklyn, right? And if you want the story in its entirety, you can read that story in Genesis 37. So now after we've gone through all those different various forms of sibling rivalry and family dynamics, then we have the ultimate master himself, right? Telling us in Matthew 10, the dynamics of the family. And he states how he came to bring division within the household, right? But his division was for the kingdom. All of the other bouts of division stemmed from like we said, the jealousy, the envy, the chaos, right? 
and it brought all that other gook out of the family. And if you think about it, when you read the stories, all the ones that was getting all the, the, the daggers thrown at them, I, I was losing my train of thought. Everybody in those stories, the ones that was doing good and following what they were supposed to do were the ones getting the most opposition within their families, right? But Jesus stated in Matthew 10 that he came to bring division. Matthew 10, 34 to 39. Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's enemies will be those in his own household. He who loves father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. So right there, Jesus is saying, right? Jesus is saying that when he came here on earth, when he died on that cross, what he was doing, everything he was doing was for his father. Everything that he was doing was for the kingdom of God. So if I'm living right and I'm living for the kingdom, then it's all good. You don't have to like me because Jesus already said, Jesus already made it plain. You're not going to like me. You're not going to like me, right? Because he said he came to set father, man against father, daughter against mother. Not that he wants you to be at war with them, but if they have a different belief or a different viewpoint or a different way of following and it's not of God, you're not going to be on the same page, right? Because how could two walk together? And that's another one that we're going to get into. Well, you know, but that's later on when I go into other relationships. But that's just, this is what he was saying. And if you're not, if you love your mother and father more than you love Christ, you're not worthy of him. Because in his mind, nothing comes before the kingdom. In his mind, nothing comes before his father. So all the division, all the backbiting, all the jealousy, all the envy, all the everything that we saw with the other siblings from the beginning and what we see now with our own siblings, take a step back and really think, am I having these problems? Because remember, like I'm always talking to you, it's all about the spiritual warfare. It's all about the spiritual warfare. We don't war against flesh and blood. So you can't look at it and say, oh, Betty, my sister doesn't like me because it's not Betty. It's the spirits behind Betty. If Betty is not walking according to what God says or according to how the spirit should be leading her, her Holy Spirit should be leading her. If she's allowing the devil to creep in, sin to creep in, like God told Cain in the beginning and she doesn't rule over it, then yes, Betty is going to always be opposition to you if you're walking in accordance to the Lord. If you're walking in accordance to the law, to, to the Lord, Betty is always going to be against you. Jesus said it right here. So just think about it. When you're dealing with your family dynamics, spiritual, spiritual warfare is not just people in the street or your people at, or the people at work, or the people in the neighborhood, or the people in the grocery store. No, spiritual warfare could be right there in your own home. What did Jesus say? 
What did Jesus say? He said, a man's enemies will be those in his own household. So if it came from the son of God's mouth himself, trust and believe it's true. The word is truth. So that's how you know how to deal with your siblings if you have an issue. And let me tell you something. I know I've been talking about siblings the whole time, but what about people who were born only children? Only children? Don't think you get a pass here because you know what? It just makes it a little easier for you to decide which side you want to walk on. Whereas siblings, you have you have people giving you opposition so you know what side you're walking on. So you get to see the spiritual warfare. Only children, you're warring within yourself sometimes. That's the biggest war. You have to war within yourself. Even though when you have siblings, you're warring within yourself, but as an only child, you're warring within yourself. So even there, you have to decide which one is going to be right. Which, which one am I going to be? Am I going to be the one that follows God? Or am I going to be the one that just wants to live in the world of the world for the world? That's the decision you have to make. So I hope everybody got something out of our little lesson, right? Right? I hope everyone got something out of our little lesson today. And I want to end with this. Here we have the only reason there should be division within a household when it comes to serving God and the kingdom. Relationships on a whole should all be to give glory to God. Blood may be thicker than water, but blood is not thicker than God. Yes, we love everyone, right? And we want to do right by everyone, but you can only do what you can do and the bad reactions that come, you have to give it to God. Now, I'm not saying that you should abandon your family ties, right? Whether you get along with your siblings or not. What I am saying is when you think about your own family dynamics, if the relationships are not serving God and what he, and what he wants to be done, then you need to make a choice. Because at the end, you're still going to have to make a choice, right? You always have to make a choice. Just something to think about. And now I believe it's time for us to take a music break. You have been listening to what would Kay say here on Radio Free Brooklyn, what Brooklyn sounds like. They just loves to learn and another child grows up to be somebody you just love to burn. Mom loves the both of them. You see it's in the blood. Both kids are good and bomb. Blood's thicker than the mud. It's a family affair.
Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. You are listening to What Would Kay Say here on Radio Free Brooklyn. We are now to the part of the show that I call Op-Ed. Now, in Op-Ed, because we are a Brooklyn-based radio station, I have to talk about what's been in the news lately, dealing with the whole governor situation. But I'm not going to talk about it to weigh in on one side or the other. All I'm going to say about it is it's sad to see him go. Some say good riddance to bad rubbish, but I personally liked what he did for New York when it came to the COVID situation. And I'm not talking about the nursing homes and I'm not talking about, see, my whole thing is you take what the person has done in its in his entirety and see, that's the whole thing. And when people say, They never remember the good you do. They only remember the bad. Now, I don't know what was going on in his administration because I didn't work there, so I wasn't there, so I can't say. But what I can say is you don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. If there is some good that came from the administration, then you keep that and you implement it and you go forward with it. The bad stuff, yeah, you toss it because nobody needs anything bad anyway. And this is where, how I'm always talking about the importance of voting and being a registered voter and the fact that they don't want you to vote. Because when you're a voter and you're registered, you can put, you can put people in place that you feel is going to do the job that you want them to do. Because right now, we have the Democrats, the Democrats screaming bloody murder. Oh, get rid of him, get rid of him, get rid of him. Whereas on the flip side, 
Had he been a Republican, the Republican wouldn't have said, mum. You would have heard a pin drop. You would have heard the mice in the church running around because nobody wouldn't have said a thing. They would have known everything, but they wouldn't have said a thing. And that's, and I'm not saying that what they do is right. And I'm not saying what the Democrats is doing is wrong. All I'm saying is forget party affiliation. Vote for who you know is doing the right thing. If they're doing the right thing, you continue to back them. When they start messing up, yeah, you get rid of them. And that goes across the board with everyone. Because now you have everyone jumping into the arena like they can be the savior of New York. No. We have to see what your track record is. We have to see if it's proven. You can't just be biased to one side. Because what he did for New York when it came to that COVID, he wasn't I don't see him as being biased to one side. I think he was doing what was best for the entire city. Even though people didn't like it that he shut bars down, that he had the curfew, that we had to wear masks. There was a lot of people that was upset with that. Upset, especially business owners, because all they were thinking about was the cha-ching. But you can't get cha-ching if you got people going six feet under. Let's just be real when it comes to that. And speaking of COVID, we now have this Delta variant of course, because I talked about it last week and it's flaring up. It's raising its ugly head. But what I did find out, what I did find out my good people is they haven't said this yet, but the people that are hospitalized with the COVID a, yes, we know the majority of them haven't had the vaccine one or two B they have a high deficiency of vitamin D. Mm-hmm. Now that goes for everyone in there. The first thing they're noticing is low deficiency of vitamin, uh, deficiency in vitamin D. But in African-American people, vitamin D has always been an issue when it comes to us. So that would almost give credence to why so many black and brown people at the height of COVID was dying faster than Caucasians or any other cultural, um, any other race, any other culture, excuse me, any other culture that was hospitalized with COVID. So I got an article, someone sent it to me. I read it. I want you all to look it up. I'm just passing it along to you. I'm not saying that it's true, not true. I, when I get stuff, I give it out to you. It's for you to do the research. It's for you to go and look it up on your own and find out what I'm saying. Fact find. That's what you need to do. Fact find. And so if that is the case, it does make sense as to why so many black and brown people were A, contracting the virus, first of all, and B, dying from the virus. On top of all the other physical ailments that they might have had, being high blood pressure, hypertension, diabetes, whatever else they had going on, look into the effects that vitamin D has on a new study that they're doing in COVID patients. That's what you need to look up. That's what you need to look up. The dynamics between the two. And let me see what else I have going on in the news besides uh, what's going on here in New York. Of course, you know, school is about to start soon. Everyone's going to go back to classes. Make sure your kids are ready, prepared and all that good stuff. 
And what else do I have? The number one thing I want everything, everybody to remember is in this time of preparation, and it makes me think about it with that woman, Kathleen Hochul, having to now step into the governor's shoes or into the, gov the shoes of being a governor. You have to be prepared. When she ran for office, it wasn't just trying to be cute. I'm going to be the, you know, a woman lieutenant governor of New York or New York. No, it was about, okay, now you're the lieutenant governor. Now you have to step up. Can you handle the job? And we really have to see if she's capable of handling the job. And I'm not saying it because she's a woman. So don't start bashing me all you pro pro women. We got the first woman governor because you know what? A lot of people are saying that, but does it matter if it was the first poodle governor? It doesn't matter. Everybody wants to make a big deal about the first. And yes, sometimes the first is important, but it's no good being the first if you can't do the job. You want to be the first woman governor that couldn't do the job? No, you don't want that title either. So if you're going to scream about being the first, make sure when you get up there and you become the first that you're ready to be the first. It's more than just air quotes being the first. If you're going to be the first, you better be the best damn first there ever was. Do you see what I'm talking about? That's what I'm saying. So in this time of preparation that all of us are going through for whatever we're going to be our first of, let's make sure we're getting ourselves together. So when it does, when time does come for us to step into our spotlight and be the first, you fill in the blank, because I don't know what you're going to be the first of, that you can do it to the glory of God, right? And that's the end of op-ed. I'd like to end the show with our word of the month, which we all know is authentic. And let's strive to continue to be the authentic person that God has created us to be. Our promise for the week is coming from Genesis 28, 15. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. And with that, I want to say be blessed, have a wonderful, blessed Sunday, a blessed week. Remember COVID is still out there. Wear your mask, wash your hands, social distance. I should do a PSA commercial for that, right? Wear your mask, wash your hands, social distance. <laughs> Let me stop joking. Be blessed, my beloveds. Have a wonderful week. And until God brings us again together next week, peace.
cero con falla y arrugas y tú estás primero vale más que mil canciones que pueda escribirte si no estás aquí sin merecer 